Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. I know you've got a lot going on in your church and there's a lot happening and I just want to say thank you so much for uh, putting us in your earbuds, for listening in. Uh, today you're going to be rewarded because we've got a great guest. We've got Lee Kreischer uh, on the line. Super excited to hear a bit of Lee's story. He started um, at Amplify Church, which is in the eastern suburbs of P- Pittsburgh, in 2003. And it really uh, was at a moment, a really a dire need, really, for revitalization. Today we're going to jump in and hear uh, all about that and that story and how you can apply those lessons to your church. So, Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich. My yeah, pleasure. Why, yeah, why don't you tell us a bit, uh, for folks that don't know the kind of Amplify story, why don't you tell us a little bit about Amplify, um, give us a sense of you know what's happened uh, over these last, well, I guess it's been 13 years or so. Yeah, actually, this past weekend, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary as wow. a church. Amazing. So we started in the late 70s, yep. had a very healthy growth uh, time of growth mm-hmm. till about 1990, mm-hmm. and then there was a period of decline. And so, in 2003, I, I actually was a pastor there as in my 20s. Mm-hmm. But then in 2003, I was living in Atlanta, not in ministry, mm-hmm. and had a call that the church was in pretty steep decline. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the last 13 years, we've really done everything we can to turn the church around and primarily to get reconnected to the next generation because the church was an aging, dying church. Maybe one of the fastest dying churches in town. <laughs> if, if Outreach Magazine had a you know, fastest dying church index, it would be on it. <laughs> Um, that, that's that's amazing. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of leaders who are listening in who, um, you know, who really can relate to that. They say, "Gosh, either the church we're in, or maybe a church I'm being called to, uh, is in need of, you know, that kind of turnaround." What were some of the What were some of those signs um, that things were in need of a turnaround in 2003 when you first started there? Well, the obvious signs that we usually look for are attendance, and then of course that's attendance goes down dramatically. Mm-hmm. So giving goes down as well, and mm-hmm. volunteerism and all the things that you look for uh, in any church situation when you look at health. Mm-hmm. But to me, the biggest issue was the average age of the people attending the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is perhaps the biggest warning signal, the biggest red flag that we need to look at, because we can go for a long time with a church that's gradually getting older and older and older. Mm-hmm. But because attendance isn't so bad, and giving isn't so bad, we ignore that sign, which is a sign that your church is really heading for big, big problems. And the average age of our church at the time was well over 50. Mm -hmm. And when you compare it to the community we were called to serve, Mm -hmm. which was an average age of about 35, Mm -hmm. we were were not reaching our community for Christ. We were just reaching older members of our community. Interesting. Now, I think that's a, a really good, you know, thing to highlight to folks. I think we can, um, you know, I've heard other church leaders say that there's a danger when you start noticing every year your the average age of your church is just getting one year older. Um, what that's saying is you're not, you know, we're not infusing the next generation. We're not reaching that, um, you know, that next generation. You know, in, what were those those early steps? Kind of walk us through some of those things you did when you first arrived. 
um, as you started to say, hey, you know, we need to turn this thing around. We need to maybe start trying to age down the church, reach that next generation. Well, I think the biggest thing was a change in mindset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Apostle Paul writes about having our minds renewed, and we needed to organizationally. Okay. And especially as it related to the next generation, because uh, our mindset was pretty much, if it was good enough for me, it should be good enough for our kids. Mm. And so we, it wasn't our beliefs or our values that were a problem, mm. but our approach to church was stuck in the 80s. Right. And we pretty much were wringing our hands and saying, why aren't these young people coming? Right. And we had to have a change of mindset that went from that statement, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for my kids, mm -hmm. to a question, what will it take to reach the next generation? And so that that change of mindset was the foundation for every other change that we did. And and I think if there was one thing I was blessed with was the opportunity to work with a couple companies when I was not in ministry mm -hmm. that were some of the world leaders in the topic of leading change or mm -hmm. change leadership mm -hmm. in um, primarily in corporate uh, mm -hmm. settings. Mm -hmm. But I understood a lot of things around change leadership that were very helpful mm -hmm. uh, when it came to bringing change to our church. One of those was that we had to change our mindset. Now, would you say was the style of the church, the, say the Sunday morning experiences, would, would have it been contemporary by 80 standards? Was that kind of like the kind of approach had kind of stalled out there and, and didn't continue? Is that so then obviously that then impacted people, you know, people saying like, hey, well, this was good enough for us in 1983. Um, why is it not reaching kids today, you know, 20 years later? Was that yeah, kind of what it, had happened? It would have been, you know, in back then probably the primary musical style was uh, integrity, Hosanna music. Yep. And it w it had that sound and that feel of yep. old choruses. And, you know, and you say, well, old, it's not like, you know, a thousand years old, but yep. nevertheless, it's a very, very different feel mm -hmm. um, along with a lot of things that had just changed in society. It was mm -hmm. a very formal setting where people, were required to dress a certain way when right. they came, you know, at least in an unwritten rule. Right. So there were a lot of things that just were uh, not relevant to the people we were trying to reach that had nothing to do with our beliefs. Right. Now, how did you help people adopt a new mindset then? So in that context, it's one thing to say, hey, we need to adopt that. Was that through preaching? Was that through, you know, story? How did you do that? Well, it was a main theme the first few months of my return to being the pastor there. And so I talked a lot about it and preached about the fact that you can't just let the next generation go and that we really have an ultimate responsibility, not just for how we live our lives, but mm -hmm. the legacy that we leave for others. Mm -hmm. And so that was a regular part of the weekend messages. Mm -hmm. But I also took the leadership team of the church we actually went to North Point Community Church in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and I said, we have to get outside of the walls of our church mm -hmm. and see a multi-generational church mm -hmm. that's changing a city yep. in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think it really expanded their horizons, and they said, you know, not that we could ever copy that church, but mm -hmm. still, there is so much that can happen between who we are and who we could be as a church. Mm -hmm. They started to talk to others in the church, and there were only 150 people or so. There was, so there didn't need to be a lot of conversations. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, we had small groups that were based you know, on change and looking ahead and our purpose as a church. And so I, I'd say within a matter of a few months, 
we still didn't have any young people coming or very many right but people started to say we cannot stay the same the status wow. quo is unacceptable huh, that's huge so then what did you do next so you you know you people are saying okay we're thinking we need to be thinking differently we've changed our mindset what next steps did you take to try to actually then say okay now we're going to move from well we'd be okay if there were some younger people to actually seeing folks connecting well, we had so few people that we, and with so many programs yep. and ministries and services, yep. we had to focus on a smaller number of things that right. I, I would say we, we, I'd call it, we identified our essentials. Mm. And for us, it was um, our weekend service, mm-hmm. our small groups, mm-hmm. and children and youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And we said, basically, we will stop everything else mm-hmm. and focus completely on those things. And as much as possible put 100% of our time, energy, resources into those three things because we felt those three things would get us further towards our vision, Mm -hmm. which was to lead as many people as possible Mm -hmm. into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. that those three things would get us there, while many, many, many other good things... we just didn't have the luxury of continuing. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting paradox that um, I think a lot of churches find themselves in. Um, you know, I've had the honor, the privilege of leading in, you know, mostly larger churches, which we we don't really do a lot. Like we do weekends, groups, teams, maybe some community engagement stuff. Uh, but all the time, you know, I, I'll interact with churches of a few hundred people and they'll rattle off 15 different ministries that they do. And I, and I get tired just thinking about it. I'm like, how is it you're doing all those things? Um, have you noticed that as you've started to interact with other churches that there seems to be, you know, churches that are able to reach the next generation have narrowed the focus or have kind of, you know, really focused on their essentials? Is that is that a pretty common trend you're seeing? It seems to be, yeah. and a, a very a book that was very profound and helpful early in those days was Tom Rainer's book, Simple Church, very true. which basically said, you know, studies have shown that perhaps the highest impact churches tend to have a smaller number of things that they try to focus on, Right, and yeah. that kind of focus has shifted to a lot of things, even like our missions program, instead of having 50 missionaries around the world that we put a few dollars in each month, you know, we've picked like Compassion International, mm-hmm. and we sponsor hundreds of children in one particular community. Oh, very cool. And, uh, we travel there, and that's and so focus has changed. The way that kind of focus has changed everything we do. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So now, what? Maybe tell me, give us a story. Things started to change, started to shift. So uh, there was, I was there like all of a sudden there was like a twenty-eight-year-old with some funky hair that showed up one Sunday, and then everyone's like, "Oh my goodness, it's working!" So what? What happened as things started to turn around? Well, I think as we started to uh, make some changes, like for instance, our facilities. Yep. We had a, a large facility, 50,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Imagine 150 people. That's amazing. Oh, my it's, goodness. Yeah, just and we were, we were about around to in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were on an interest-only plan with the bank. We, we were one foot in the grave. Yeah, but, um, Of 50,000 square feet, not one square inch was dedicated to children and youth. What? It was all adult, multi-purpose space. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And the attitude was... You know, the kids can use this when we're not using it. It just better look the same as when oh my goodness. When done as wow. when they got in there. Oh, my goodness. And so we took our chapel, which was a major part of our building, yeah. and put it into a, a children's theater. Oh, my goodness. It looked more like a Nickelodeon or a Disney set. And, yeah. um, and it was such a huge change. And people were saying, you know, one person left the church saying, 
why do we need a specialized area in our church for children and youth? We have no children and youth. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and that was the point. Yeah, and exactly. So we moved several ministries to other churches, including a food bank and huh. a drug rehab program and some other things to make room for our children huh. to great criticism, as you would imagine. I and, can imagine. Wow. You know, but, uh, but then all of a sudden people, people who were going to our church mm -hmm. started to say to family members, you know how you would never come to our church? Why don't you come just one time and bring the kids? And so people started to invite people again to our church and a little bit of the, you know, the buzz just starts to, to spread. Mm -hmm. Something different is happening over there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're, they really care about kids. Right. And we never had that reputation. No, that's amazing. You know, I want to underline that for leaders who are listening in today. Um, you can take churches from a wide variety of, you know, theological convictions, um, from, you know, wide variety of, of backgrounds and kind of things that they, um, you know, emphasize. But the churches that are making a difference are investing in their children's ministry, particularly, and their student ministry as well. Um, that is a, is critical to reaching the next generation. And and you may be today that may be a great practical next step is to say, hey, how are we going to do that? What do we need to change in in that particular area? And how did you weather those like? Even just that one change of like, okay, we're going to take a chapel and we're going to turn it into a Nickelodeon theater. Um, did everyone just be like, oh, Lee, that's great, Lee. You just go ahead and do that. That's fine. What was that like, you know, as a leader weathering that sort of change? Well, it was challenging because some new people started to come. Yep. But probably over our first two years, and I see two years as being a time frame in which um, we, if we're going to make a turnaround in a church, do a two-year time frame. I mean, right. don't make it a 10-year time frame, 15-year. Right. And so during that two-year time frame in which we implemented a lot of change, mm -hmm. about a third of the people who had been attending the church mm -hmm. found other churches that were more like the church that we had been. Mm -hmm. So that was difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, not everybody embraced it. One person right. left who was very supportive of, she said, I love the idea of reaching children and youth, but not to change like this. Right. I want to do to come. I just don't want to do anything different. And so these weren't evil change resistors. No. No. They were just people who were holding on to things that I had taught them to love hmm. and just weren't uh, all that open. And especially when we started, you know, I, I met a pastor as a young uh, guy who he had a storefront church. Mm -hmm. And in this storefront church, he had about 20 people or so. And he was telling me a story that made me realize he never was going to grow further. He used to bring his dog to church and mm -hmm. the dog sat in front of the pulpit and during the message would howl, which he would say, bark and howl. And he would say, you know, the Holy Spirit must be moving. And the people who were there, it, they, they were kind of used to it. But a visitor came to him after a service and said, I really liked what you had to say, but the dog was a distraction. Right. And, and he said, uh, he told me quite proudly, he said, I said to her, you know what? I love my dog. And if it's between you or the dog, the dog stays. Oh, my goodness. Oh and my so goodness. to me, oh, no. that is such an extreme thing. But oh. our churches are filled with barking dogs. Oh, we were true. filled with barking dogs. So we're, you know, parent, young parents are bringing their kids to our church. But if they find, uh, but, but there were several things about our church, many things that had become pet peeves that became a part of what we thought who we were. But they weren't who we were. Right. They, were they were actually things that were distracting people from seeing 
who we were. Mm. And so I think when we started to eliminate our barking dogs, mm-hmm. um, that's when that that's what cost us the most um, resistance mm-hmm. to change because mm-hmm. dogs are beloved pets. Right. <laughs> right. People love them. Sacred dogs. As opposed yeah. to sacred cows. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, that's so true. And I think there's a gift that new people uh, coming to our all of our churches give us, which is fresh eyes um, and to see things differently. And um, we have to have humility all as leaders. We have to have humility to listen, um, to listen to what people are saying and probably even more importantly, to listen to what they're not saying um, and, and lean in and understand. Well, well let's kind of zoom forward where is amplify today um what does it look like if we were to arrive this weekend um how have things changed since uh you know since these changes have have gone through well um our attendance is between a little more than 1600 yep. over three That's campuses yep. but i think what's most exciting is we're a multi-generational church again okay. average age is just about 35 which is the average age of our the community we're serving mm. but you go in and you see every generation well represented which is how i think paul assumed churches would be when he talked about older men and younger men and mm-hmm. older women and younger women mm-hmm. and so in that way we're not the biggest church in town and mm-hmm. probably don't even qualify as a mega church but mm-hmm. We're healthy again. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Now, when you look to the future, are there parts of what you're doing where you feel like mm, we're, we're, we're still in need of some change? We still need to kind of push forward and, and, and to continue to reach the people in our community? And what would those things be? Well, actually, you know, we're, we're this year, our core word that we have felt that God has been you know, leading us to focus on is community. Mm-hmm. And we have felt that if we're going to keep connecting, more and more and that's the key you can have church revitalization which is about how do we add to our attendance you know but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to me true church revitalization is how do we put things into place that make sure that we don't just get connected but we stay connected to the next generation and even in these 15 years it seems that uh, the need for community is uh, escalating yes at all ages but particularly in this you know, 20-something, 30-something age group. And um, I know you're a lot closer to that than I am. <laughs> we're, we're talking about how, you know, we've got great music. We've got, I, I trust our great messages. It's a great, it's a, a good, but those are, have become a commodity online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do we create compelling experiences mm-hmm. that people say, I, I've got to be there. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a big focus for us this mm-hmm. year. And it's led us to changing a number of things to try and do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the things I want to encourage leaders to do is to, round, is to surround themselves with trusted leaders in their 20s. Um, who will keep you sharp. You know, I, I was in a conversation earlier this year with a, a dear friend, trusted leader, um, who, uh, you know, was speaking with, uh, I would say, like, I've always prided our church on being like, hey, we're pretty contemporary. We're pretty modern. Um but this this guy, you know, mid twenties was like, yeah, not really. Like it's a bunch of guys <laughs> in their forties, um, and you know that is starting to feel kind of old. Uh, that's starting to feel, you know. And one of the things, so we, we were talking about stylistic issues, but then also some of the authenticity and community issues that you you speak to. You know, it was saying, uh-huh. hey, you know, like yeah, I know, love you, you know, love what you're saying, 
but you know, are we really being authentic as a community? Are we, or are we just putting on a good show? And how are we, um, you know, pushing that? And I, it was one of those, you know, you receive. It's, it's like that, um, you know, that that great proverb that, you know, the that a brother that comes close can, you know, can jab you, and you're like, oh, I, I take that from you. I take that. Um, as opposed to, you know, kind words from an enemy, um, you know, for sure. So, so I, I would encourage you that, you know, we're not the, the, the goal of staying connected to the next generation is ever evolving. It's a constant thing. And how do we keep staying, um, on top of that? Now you actually wrote a book, uh, that kind of tells a bit of this story and also really is a really a practical help for churches. Why don't you tell us about that? And why did you write that book? Well, we had so many pastors and people knew about our church and they knew that we were on our last legs. Right. Then all of a sudden they hear that we're growing again right. and that we went from an old church to a young church right. or at least a multi-generational church again. Mm -hmm. So I was getting a lot of field trips from pastors coming yep. visit with their leaders and saying, what did you do? Mm -hmm. So I took those questions and uh, built this book for a new generation that just came out last month with Harper Collins. Mm -hmm. um, and it's talked about what are the five core strategies for leadership, or at least maybe you even think of it as categories uh, in which you've got to do take some action. Mm -hmm. And the, I wrote all the actions we took, not to be prescriptive, but to mm -hmm. be provocative. Right. Uh, but these are proven categories that if you're going to lead change, and pastors can no longer think of change leadership as a nice option. Mm. It's got to be one of their core skills that they develop, mm -hmm. whether they like to think of themselves in that way or not. Mm -hmm. But the world around us is changing too dramatically for mm -hmm. us to not learn how to lead our congregations and change. Mm -hmm. And so this just gives the five categories that we used or the five strategies mm -hmm. to frame our changes. And um, a lot of people have found it helpful because mm -hmm. It, it is meant to be very practical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd strongly recommend you pick it up. We'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can can check that out. You know, if you've been around on seminary very long, we talk about this number. 94% uh, of churches uh, are are um, losing ground against the growth of the communities that they're in. So a lot of times you'll hear it's like 80% of churches are plateau or decline. It's actually worse than that because there are a segment of churches that are growing, but they're not growing as quickly as, they're, as the communities they're in, which means 94% of churches are losing ground against the you know, communities they serve. And so we need to be, I love that word, all pastors need to be, you know, and change agents need to be a part of, you know, change leadership for sure. So I'd strongly recommend you pick up Lee's book uh, for sure. Anything else you want to share, Lee, before we move on with the rest of the episode? On fornewgeneration.com, there are a few tools that may be helpful cool. for people. But I think the, the primary thing is accepting the status quo is the biggest danger imaginable to your church mm -hmm. in this rapidly changing world. And so um, considering changing the way you do things in the future as a church, that doesn't dishonor your past. Mm. That just guarantees that you'll have a future. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. All right. Well, we're going to jump into the lightning round. Uh, that part of the episode where we ask similar questions of everybody that's on the show. Uh, honored to have Lee Kreitzer with us today from Amplify Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You really should check out Lee and, and Amplify. Uh, Lee, what's an online resource that you're using these days that's helping you in your ministry? Well, it's funny. I think... The one, and since I was a young pastor before this even existed, yep. Bible, Ga Bible Gateway is where I spend. Nice, yes. I spend so much of my week um, in studying and preparing, and 
I just love it. And I, and I know that seems very simplistic. No, but it's great. It's something that's powerful. I, I love the Leadership Network. So LeadNet yep. um, is is great. Mm-hmm. And um, GLS, we sponsor the Global Leadership Summit with Bill yep. Hybels. And yep. they've got an app called GLS Next, which has so, so many great uh, – little tidbits of leadership wisdom and knowledge on it. Yep. So that's just some things. Very cool. That's great. What's a book you've read in the last, I don't know, maybe six months to a year that's shaping your thinking and your ministry? Actually, I think Carrie Newhoff has a book called Lasting Impact. Yep. And so our entire senior staff is reading it. Yep. And we're going through, that's our devotional um, over this summer and fall. And so we just went through one of the chapters yesterday and I think he's a tremendous thought leader when it comes to how do we get and stay connected to the next generation. And it's really provoking us to not just say, wow, we made some great changes 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. but how do we need to keep changing and growing? Absolutely. I love, uh, it's a great book. Gets on my must read list for folks. Definitely uh, a great book. I also love that it really is designed to help you have conversations as a team. Exactly. Uh, really, it's just seven conversations that you, sh- you should be wrestling through. And although Carrie gives you some thoughts, it really leaves it to you to wrestle through, hey, what does that mean for you? It's a, it's a great resource for sure. Uh, what's the video, by the way, that goes with that? Oh, so nice. You're doing the team edition. hear him talk about the chapter before we discuss it. So. Oh, good. Good. Uh, what's another ministry you're looking to that inspires you these days? I think because my wife and I were members of North Point Community Church. Yep. And so I just heard a, a podcast yesterday by Andy Stanley. Yep. I think it was called Leadership Challenge or Challenging Leadership. Uh-huh. So powerful, so amazing. I forwarded on to all of our team. And um, I, I just find him to be one of the great change leaders uh, in, the, in, the, in the world today. And Absolutely. Andy's uh, he's like the Pope, basically. he's been he would be up there as uh you know he's just a great they do such a great you know such a great job across the board Uh, if you get 15 minutes with any leader alive who would that be with and why well i mean andy would be a good relate for that (laughs) yes brian hillsong has had a i mean brian houston from hillsong has had a big influence on our church yep um and i don't know bill hybels i think you know, I think perhaps it would be Bill Hybels just because he's been for so long, so consistent, mm-hmm. and he keeps reinventing himself and his organization. And mm-hmm. um, I think he also understands the power of leadership effectiveness, mm-hmm. and he pours himself into helping others become better leaders. Mm-hmm. I just I just think he's got such tremendous impact in the world. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, well, I'm sure, uh, you know, leading at the church, a growing church that's, you know, making changes takes a lot of effort and energy. But then, you know, when you just want to, you know, kick back, relax, uh, you know, what do you do for fun? How do you, uh, how do you relax, Lee? Well, I live in Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh is a sports town. Yes. Definitely. So we've got um, season tickets for the Pirates. Um, oh, nice. Partial season tickets. So we're down to Pirates a lot. Yeah. Um, I get to a lot of Penguins games when I can. Yeah, Steelers, Steelers games are a little crazy. So yes, <laughs> watch those on TV. But I, I think sports is a big thing, and my wife and I do a fair amount of travel at this season in our life. And nice, uh, wonderful. Good. Well, Lee, I really appreciate you being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you or with the church, how can they do that? Well, I think for newgeneration.com is a good way, and they can even email me directly from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they want to check out the church, just amplifychurch.com. 
and um, both of those are ways to get a little more information and get in touch. Nice. Lee, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much uh, for being on the episode today. Thank you so much, Rich. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>